Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can already see some texts coming in with regard to mask mandate and should we be bringing back the wearing of masks or will we be forced to return to the wearing of masks over the weekend I certainly heard Stephen Donnelly the health minister come out and suggest the possibility that mandatory mask wearing may be reintroduced into this country and lo and behold on all of the papers today. The chief executive of the HSC, Paul Reid, has now raised the prospect of reintroducing mandatory mask wearing on public transport and other enclosed spaces. And other enclosed spaces, the powers that be, tell us, would be all retail, anywhere indoors that you are. We will be back to wearing masks. The reason for it, of course, there has been a spike in COVID-19 hospitalisations. Paul Reid, speaking in the Examiner this morning, says that the uh, the con- there's a concern about a new wave of the virus and it's spreading through at risk sectors of society. Latest figures, these were the ones up to the weekend, 537 patients are now in hospital with COVID-19 and that's a threefold increase from the 181 patients that were in hospital at the end of May of those who are in hospital, the numbers in intensive care. They're still reasonably low, but there's still 27 people in hospital in ICU with COVID-19. The test positivity rate, that is nearly doubled in the last fortnight. It's now standing at just under 30%. And on the 4th of June, earlier this month, that number was at 16.4%. Paul Reid said the HSE is now actively considering making a recommendation to government for the return of masks and he's saying in certain uh, set, in certain uh, settings and obviously those settings are likely to be on all public transport and on all crowded enclosed or other enclosed spaces and people are expecting it to be in retail settings. Paul Reid also was saying that the HSC is particularly worried about the transmission in nursing homes and other residential facilities. As he says, more outbreaks will ultimately lead to a restriction on visits to residents. And that restriction on visits to to residents, particularly in nursing homes, caused so much pain 
and so much anxiety and nobody wants to go back to that but if we get to the stage where there's so many outbreaks in in nursing homes and in other residential settings that's what will happen there will be nobody allowed in to a visit the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation they've already called for a return to mandatory mask wearing in crowded places and on public transport and I wasn't aware that they had already a call for that Finlay Hay said additional measures are needed given the sharp rise in cases in uh, hospitals and also and I was following this at the weekend because there seemed to be a lot of calls uh, around antigen tests and for increased supports around antigen tests as a response to the increasing number of COVID-19 infections because the fear factor out there is that the numbers that are being reported there's only a limited number of people can go forward for PCR tests and then they're they're depending then the powers that be are depending on people to go out and to buy their own antigen tests and then to report that they had a positive uh, case and the fear is that people are going around with COVID-19 and they're not going out and buying an antigen test they're not doing their uh, tests and therefore because they don't know they have it they are spreading it to other people the increase in cases by the way is being blamed on the BA4 and BA5 variants of Omicron they're spreading more rapidly and that's because of their ability to bypass immunity from past infection or from uh, vaccination. The only thing is for people, for the majority of people who are getting it, uh, it is a, a relatively mild infection. At the weekend, I was listening to a report from Hong Kong. Now, Hong Kong is one of the countries that's gone for zero COVID, but they haven't gone down the route of vaccinating their people and what they've gone down is they go into these very heavy lockdowns really really strict and severe lockdowns and that's how they're hoping to achieve zero zero COVID but of course they've had major outbreaks particularly of Omicron because it is so easy to spread Omicron and of all of the countries in the world Hong Kong has had the highest number of deaths due to Omicron whereas countries like us here in Ireland and across most of Europe and uh, America we're not seeing a lot of deaths or a lot of sickness attached to Omicron but that's because the majority of us are vaccinated so the vaccinations certainly are standing up in stopping us getting very standing up in hospital are ultimately dying but it's not stopping us from actually getting and picking up COVID-19. Kingston Mills who is the Professor of Immunology at Trinity College Dublin he was saying this is on antigen tests he said people should be encouraged to carry out rapid antigen tests again if they have any symptoms and then obviously if you test positive on your antigen test you should isolate but he doesn't believe that we need to return to the mass PCR testing. Kingston Mills says the government should consider though subsidising antigen tests in order to encourage more people to test themselves even though the costs of the tests have fallen but he, he cites the example that if you have a family of five or six people and they want to test over several days because you know somebody's not feeling well and somebody, el- somebody else in the household has what appears to be a heavy cold so we better test will everybody test we'll do another test in another uh, few days that can add up if you've got you know five or six people in the one household and uh, he says he's now saying that the government need to look at antigen tests they either need to make them free to a cohort of people or they need to start subsidising them because by doing that it would encourage people 
to take the antigen uh, tests. And actually, Professor Mills was also asked about mask uh, wearing. He was one of the immunologists who came out at the time who felt that we dropped the mask wearing too quickly and that older and vulnerable people with underlying medical conditions, he said they certainly should be encouraged to wear masks. But he did ask that he did add that masks really only worked effectively if every body was wearing them. He said it's either all or nothing really for, for a mask to be highly effective. He said it's not ideal for the people who want to protect themselves that they're the only ones wearing uh, the masks. But he said I don't think we're at the stage where we should be going back to mask wearing just uh, yet. Uh, but he certainly feels that we dropped the wearing of masks too quickly. Your thoughts welcomed on that. How would you feel if uh, there was a government announcement and we had Micheál Martin or Stephen Donnelly or Paul Reid and of course we don't have the Neffet team they're gone they've been disbanded the Neffet team where Tony Hoolan or Tony Hoolan is still our uh, CMO for another few weeks and then of course uh, he's retiring but uh, will we have you know Tony Hoolham, will that be his swan song before he leaves? He'll be out one last time telling all of us to start wearing masks again. Thoughts on mask wearing? No, 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 no to masks, says this listener. I suffered enough when we had to wear them. I have my freedom. Maybe the HSE and the powers that be should look at the people that have come into this country over the last four months rather than telling everyone that they need to wear masks. And then there is a string of texts in from uh, listeners who never gave up wearing uh, masks. For example, hi Patricia, listening to you talk about mask wearing. Personally, I never stopped wearing a mask when going out in public places. So I don't know what uh, people are talking about. Uh, Mary and Dreamer League says, ma- says on masks, how can anybody say you got out of the habit of wearing one? Just because the government lifted the mask mandate requirement some time ago didn't mean COVID went away. My husband and I were the only ones wearing a mask in our local hardware shop the other day. I think it's completely irresponsible not to wear a mask. No wonder cases are rising. And another texter, thanks Mary, another texter says definitely bring back the mandatory nature of wearing masks in all indoor settings. I've always worn my mask indoors. It's a very small sacrifice to make when everything is now relatively back to normal again, which I have to say is great. I can understand shop assistants not wearing them all day long, but members of the public should definitely be wearing them. And that should include old and young men, women and all children. You can even see how flu etc is prevented from mask wearing and that was very much proven last year. There was little or no incidence of flu last year and that was directly, well it's put down to two things. It was put down to mask uh, wearing but it was also put down to good hand hygiene but mask mask wearing definitely had a big role to play in that. Thank you for that. And one other text says, I wear my mask in every shop and in all enclosed uh, places. I have noticed that people are looking at me slightly oddly as if I've two heads or because I continue to wear my mask. I just think how ignorant and irresponsible they are and you wonder how many of them are unvaccinated or even have it and don't care enough to self isolate. And Ross says yes to masks, people need to cop on. So the majority of those, that was just a a snapshot of those uh, texts that all came in together. The minute I mentioned that there may be talk of mandatory mask wearing, a lot of people haven't given up the wearing of masks. 0818 103 103 
all of this week. We have a pair of tickets to give away every day to go along and see the wonderful Christy Moore live at the Marquee. The Marquee gigs in full swing and by all accounts it's been another huge successful season of live at the Marquee. I think people are desperate to go back out and go to concerts and and, uh, go to events like that. And Christy Moore, a lot of following here in Cork. He's playing next Saturday night the 25th of June every day this week I will play a clip of a Christy Moore song some stage during the programme when I play it I'll be looking for you to give me the title of the song allowing your name and address and you'll be texting or whatsapping your answers to 0862 103 103 and your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Christy Moore live at the Marquee next Saturday night Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home business farm life and health insurance cmig.i I can see some people are asking about the cost of living demonstration. How did that go? I will get to that uh, a little bit later on the programme. We're just talking about the cost of living and uh, we've had certainly over the last couple of weeks people contacting us if they're somewhere and they buy something and it's very expensive. I mean last week for example it was the, the cooked Irish breakfast somebody done in Cahersivine getting charged individually for the two sausages, the two rashers, the three eggs were three fifty, I think alone and uh, people were making comparisons like that to items that were very expensive. I saw this over the weekend and actually thanks to Michael who's sent me in a copy of the tweet as well this is some Irish lad who was over in Paris. It's a bistro it seems to be just off the Eiffel Tower so right in the centre of Paris and he had ordered just a very small meal. Actually the meal, I did a translation on the meal. It's usually served as a starter. It's kind of like a sausage dish that they serve with cabbage and uh, potatoes that's what the meal is and that particular dinner, it was just dinner for one, was 19.50 but he ordered a Coke Zero with it so a diet cola with it and the diet Coke was 17 euro 50 cent so his actual dinner was 19.50 and his diet coke was 17 euro at 50 so beware of that if you're traveling into the center of paris this summer 0818 103 103 now as we're hearing on our news this morning irish fishermen have confirmed that they are to mount major protests off the southwest coast of Ireland in a bid to prevent the French Navy staging military exercises this week on important fishing grounds. Joining me from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation once again to discuss military exercises off our coast is Patrick Murphy, their CEO. Good morning to you, Patrick. Sorry, the wrong fader up. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, morning, Patricia. You're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, will these protests be similar to what you had planned against the Russians early this year? Yeah, it's the same. Um, Our fishing boats will be fishing in these areas and they will continue to fish there. And they're not moving because they cannot move because this is where they go to ply their trade. And as uh, Virginius Savignius, the commissioner for DG Mara and DG Environment from the commission, said we were the custodians of the sea by doing these actions. So I'm sure that won't change the nationality of the country that's coming in doing these war games and firing off these missiles has changed. But the same results will apply if they're allowed to continue. 
inside in biologically sensitive areas where dolphins and whales, especially this time of the year, um, are coming to our shoreline. And, and this will interfere with that. Massive explosions, ordnance flying up into the sky, don't know where it's going to land, don't know the, the details of it again, Patricia. And here we are, like deja vu, trying to talk sense to these people making these decisions. Now, the uh, the only information I could find out about it was that the manoeuvres are understood to be even bigger in scale to what was proposed by the Russian Navy back in January. That yeah. must be a real worry. It is, of course. And look, we only got word of this through Niall Duffy and the skipper again. Um, fair play to him that he, he came across this. Uh, a marine notice, no communication from the government, any government party or agency or anything to the to our industry to give us a heads up. This is happening in a few days' time. And, um, you know, we think we would have learned from our lessons from the past. Uh, I don't know, uh, this time has our Minister for Foreign Affairs uh, written to his French counterpart, as he did to the Russian counterpart, asking them to desist from this or even move away into deeper waters. We have no idea. And we just think it's it's not right. It's not correct. Uh, it wasn't the last time, and it certainly isn't this time, especially, as you said, this is being ramped up now. And um, just to explain this, Patricia, these are missiles flying up into the atmosphere, and where they come down, we don't know. You know, We just know a big, vast area where our boats operate, and it could come anywhere uh, close to them. Have you uh, been warned to stay away from the area during the exercises? We've been advised to be cognizant of the collision uh, regulations um, you know, that are there. And, and I, as I explained the last time, and it's easy for the listeners to understand, if you're driving along the motorway and somebody comes out of the side road and plows into you, it's not you that's, that's at fault. It's the person coming on from the side road. Well, our boat's already in the areas fishing there, right? And if faster, bigger vessels with ordnance and, and military capabilities that firing missiles up into the air are the ones that are the ones to give the right away. I, I think that's wrong. I, I think that it has to be re-evaluated. I think there should be a moratorium on this type of activity. I don't think the world needs it at the moment. I think there's enough uh, doom and gloom and tensions and we're listening to it about people being killed and murdered and, you know, war crimes uh, uh, constantly on the news. And I don't think this is appropriate, uh, despite the fact that this is going to have huge repercussions on our marine environment and the animals and the cetaceans and the and the dolphins and the whales that travel our waters, dangerous to our fishermen. Yeah, but there, you know? but there's, there's a lot of water out there. Could they not? I remember back in January talking to you and one of the ones you were making was with the Russians was to ask them to move well beyond uh, Ireland's exclusive economic zone. Could they not do that even? Well, that would be the minimum, wouldn't it? Like, and again, we're not asking this to say we're not in our backyard. We're asking this because, again, of the shock waves and, and the amount, like I described at the last time, the bigger the pond, the smaller the pebble, you know, the, the dissipation of the waves that come to the shoreline. Well, it's the same outside in the deep blue ocean, you know. If they ha- are intent on doing this, uh, which I don't agree with for one second, then at least do it in a place that's going to cause the least harm. Do it outside in waters, international waters, well away from human activity, well away from uh, uh, biologically sensitive areas, you know? Uh, This is crazy. It it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. And uh, we have to speak up. We we have to say enough is enough. And it's not just the fishermen. We're hoping that the same thing will happen, that the, the people power will make this happen, that, you know, people will make noise, tune in, listen to what's happening, make a comment, 
and that's what happened the last time. We got international recognition for our work the last time, and we're hoping that the same will happen this time because the more people that tune into this, the more pressure that's put onto these decision makers to make the right decision and to meet with the industry and, and solve you know, what, what is a, a very easy, solvable position. Yeah, because they're, the French Navy are saying the exercise are going to happen June 23rd to 25th, which is this Thursday. It's desperate, isn't it? Imagine that, that, like to be told that. And, you know, we have boats that go out for two or three weeks at a time, Patricia. They're already out. In the I was just ground. going to ask that. Are there, yeah, are there, and obviously the, uh, that news has to be relayed to them now, does it? it, it exactly, yeah. We've contacted all our members and ergo they give me the task again to try and do something about it, to try and, and, and mitigate the, the potential hazards that are already there for them. You know, like, you know, we're looking at a time where war in Europe has increased the cost of living. The price of diesel and fuel has gone mad, and it's the same for our fishermen. And, like, you know, uh, we, we're talking about an increase from 30 cents a litre to 120 a litre. You know, it's it's some boats are, are struggling as it is, and to have this put upon them again in such short notice really is, is, is it doesn't show you know, the respect that these people deserve in implying their trade. Of course, back in January, we were looking at the Russians and at the time there was rumblings that they might invade Ukraine, which we subsequently know uh, that they did. Do you think the Irish government will view these military exercises very different because it's the French? I hope not, Patricia. I, I, I really don't, because then again, you're sending a clear message and you're, you're increasing tensions. How else would the other side perceive, and there is sides now in this, different from the last time, would perceive that, where the Irish government said they weren't welcome, wrote to them, please desist from doing this. And then it's okay for even greater military exercises to be allowed in the exact same waters because it's a European country. I, I don't think that sends out the right message. I think it's dangerous um, on, on the larger world-scale events. And um, I, I can't understand why people don't study their history and see how things can escalate very quickly, like they did in the Ukraine. And look at look at the fallout. And like, do we need to even think about increasing the tension um, on this? I, I, I hope not. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I hope there'll be... Are you hoping to reach out to who, the Department of Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are. We're, we're seeing it in all the media. We Don't have a lot of time, uh, Patrick. Well, you see, this is it. This, 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 but, but things can happen. It's, it's, it's a matter of a phone call. Look, it, this wouldn't be a big thing to change. It was the same as the Russians. It was going on and on for uh, a week or more, and we were doubted whether we had achieved what we wanted to achieve, and there were stories that contradicted, and there was question marks over the language that was used. But in the end, common sense prevailed. I'm hoping for the same here. If they're adamant in, in, in pursuing these exercises, please do so in an area that won't endanger lives, you know, and uh, move them into an area that is well, well away from our biologically sensitive waters where fish come to spawn and breed and feed and the likes of whales and dolphins that transit through these areas to come past our shorelines and everything else will be protected. We don't know whether these missiles will end up in the seabed. Will they be a further danger later on to boats that are trawling there? Will they be hazards and picking them up in the nets? Imagine if, you know, we're back to the, the same munitions from World War One and World War Two, where people were picking up old mines and everything mm. else. Mm. This is not a joke. This is serious. Mm. And we're looking for a moratorium, not just for the French or the Russians, but that these exercises go away from, from uh, sensitive biological areas. We're talking about protected, marine protected areas 
we're putting millions into in, into pursuing this and objective, and yet here we are again, deja vu, trying to fight off the, the, the this this madness. And, yeah, I, and no, I don't. And this time it's it the it's the French uh, Navy. You're trying to fight off. Somebody says no, 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 no to any missiles from France or Russia or any uh, country. Why are we even having these conversations about this? As this texture, a missile, God knows where or what is in them. Very dangerous for all of us. And somebody else says, could you ask Patrick what effect would these missiles and these exercises have on whales and dolphins? Well, you see, whales and dolphins communicate with, by sonar, their own internal sonar, so they send out signals. These boats will have a hundred times more powerful sonars than the ordinary fishing vessel. So, of course, and we've seen in other publications from the likes of the Whales and Dolphins Group, that they are suspicious that this could lead to strandings and this interference with their navigation. It just messes with their head. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like, uh, And they end up on a beach somewhere and then loss of life for them. So like, and that's what we can see. We don't know what damage this is doing underneath the water to these animals. So of course, look, you would never throw a stick of dynamite into a, a water table. So why would you throw a missile in there? It it just yeah. makes no sense. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Anne's saying something similar, but she's saying, "Hi, Patricia. Do the government even know what's going on at all in this country? Imagine allowing the French to destroy the marine environment by these uh, explosions, and n- nobody knows what the impact of these explosions uh, will have on uh, us." Okay, listen. Keep us informed on uh, how you get on uh, this week, Patrick. But certainly looking at the texts and calls coming in you have a lot of support from a lot of uh, people listen thank you for taking our call this morning thanks Patricia good morning Jim bye 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 that is Patrick Murphy CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation and it's hard to believe in January I had that discussion with them trying to get the Russians to move away and lo and behold here we are in the middle of June and we're having the same discussion this time it's the French are coming to do their military and their naval exercises off our coast 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Communities in North Cork are being encouraged to fight for the opening of railway stations along the Cork Limerick railway line as people in West Cork to this day still regret the loss of their rail service Fine Gael Councillor Lee Madden has won unanimous support from colleagues at Cork County Council for the opening of at least three stations on the line and Liam uh, joins me. Good morning to you Liam. Good morning Patricia and, and, um, and, and firstly you got a lovely bright morning with, uh, with a blue sky for the official naming of the boardwalk in Mallow in memory of the late great Councillor Danger Fitzgerald. That's right um, Patricia and uh, I suppose look it couldn't be more um, a fitting tribute to a great mellow man, a great community man. So it was absolutely great to see all his family and friends there. Yeah, it's, and it really is lovely for his family. I take it they, it was our, the mayor was there. Was she Gillian Coughlin? She was indeed, yeah. Great, great. All right, so it's now officially known as the Councillor Dan Joe Fitzgerald uh, Boardwalk. OK, now, remind listeners firstly of the three areas that you feel should have a railway station on this line. Yeah, I suppose, um, Patricia, um, 
this plan has been announced, I suppose, at present. And I suppose, look, there there is eight railway stations or new stations mentioned. And I suppose um, the stations we're talking about haven't been mentioned at present. But I suppose that's why you're, we, we're, we're trying to get as much support as possible. And I suppose what went would, would be traditionally, uh, I suppose, it's closed since 77. But there is a lot of work going to happen in Bushman there because the, the, the line, or it's going to be automated there, the crossing. And we feel now is the time to get all the other work done as well in relation to a stop there. And I suppose it's proximity to Limerick as well. People could actually go to work in, in Limerick. They could go to Cork. And I suppose it, it's a good business town as well. And I suppose there is a lot of development land around Bushman as well, you know, for maybe some industry to come in there. So I suppose if you move on to the other side of Mallow, you know, you have you have more navy area and you have racked off. Um, now, there is, Blarney is a part of the plan, and I see in some of that there, there is um, a park and ride uh, in one of the, some of them stations. So, obviously, some of these stations could be just a drop-off facility where you drop off people and they get to train their collectors in the evening, which is another way of doing it as well, if, if, if they feel there isn't proper room there for... for um, um, transporter for people to leave their car there. So more Nebby, I suppose, being at the other side of Mallow as well, a, a lot of Mallow people would prefer if they could, even if they could get off a train on that side because they live on the other side of Mallow and it, it would mean they wouldn't have to be going over town as well. Um, I suppose um, Ratdoff was another traditional station as well, which is uh, beside the school there. So I suppose they all have their own um, merits to, to be reopened. Um, and I suppose Going forward, I suppose, look, the council, we had a meeting um, at the council last week, and I suppose our mayor was very strong, and what she said to us, we have the line. We don't have it down in, in West Cork and other areas where the lines have been torn up, so you should use the facilities you have and, and, and better them. And I suppose this morning, Tim Lucy did mention it as well here in Mallow, at, at the boardwalk, he did mention as well about these facilities going forward from Mallow to Cork, and Listening to the radio this morning as well there, I see where Bus Connect as well in Cork is, is all being improved, um, more regular services, more buses. And that means then if we get people in, they'll be able to get to their workplace as well, which is hugely important, you know. Yeah, and, and it is all about trying to get as many people off the roads as possible and of course we have a fuel crisis at the moment with the cost of uh, fuel there are many people would love the idea of being able to jump on train and go to work because it is costing them at the moment to put fuel in their car and public transport has come down in price that they'd love the idea of being able to take the train yeah, and, and I suppose I, I see that at present where I know friends of mine and people, if they're going out even for a night in Cork, they actually take the train mm. to Cork and they get the train home. Uh, because the other morning, again, listening to um, some listeners from down in East Cork, their their problem down there is they don't actually have a train at 11 o'clock, where yeah. there is a 11, 11 o'clock service to Mallow. And people are actually beginning to use it now to go to work as well, because if you can improve the connectivity from the station in, in Cork, um, it, it means that more regular services. So that, that that's the way to go. And um, and I suppose our next step here is, is, is so obviously we have the council have writing to you know the Aaron and the NTA. But I my my way of doing this would be to get all the groups together and to meet with the the Aaron and the NTA. And I suppose I saw 
saw that there in the last two years where the express bus, which now stops in Newtown House and Rathdoff, which had never stopped there, which was absolutely ridiculous. Which never made any sense. It just nope. sailed on and by. It, yeah, it was crazy. It's a very well-used service now. I hear people there complimenting how they can go into Cork on Saturday evening. It's just, um, I I mean, it took two years to get through the, the different sections to try and put I, I was totally involved in it. I was the community of Newtown House, I suppose, as well, signing the petition there. They were very strong in it. And, and you know, it, 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 it's a facility going forward. It, it's another step again, taking more cars off the road. And I suppose our motorway, look, we none of us know when the motorway is. I mean, we can be doing all these other things in between. And, you know, it, it might say in a few years' time, look, there's there's need for a motorway, but maybe it could be different. Um, yeah, and I think I think Bottevant in particular, I mean, Bottevant is now, as it stands, a major commuter town for both Limerick and Cork. So, yeah. you know, people living in Bottevant and the surrounds, it would be hugely beneficial to them to have regular yeah. trains. Well, being originally from Bottevant, I mean, location of, it's all about location. And, and that's what, I suppose, as well, if you think of Bottevant as location to Limerick, as I said earlier, there it's hugely important. But I suppose another very important point here, and you know, we, we're hearing about this 185 million being spent, and we haven't got a breakdown of this 185 million. And it's hugely important that we do because this is EU resilient funds that, that's after being um, that's paying for these projects. But we don't know what what project it is actually paying for. You know, so we we need to get that as well. So I think that's why we need to sit down with the interested groups and that would be like Bottom Community Council, the Mallow Chamber, Mornaby Community Council, right off any other group in Mallow as well, because I think Mallow South are, would be very in favour of a station as well at, at the side of Mornaby because it would mean they could get off there and they wouldn't have to go through the, the town, you know. And then get caught in gridlock traffic yeah. as 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 they're trying to get home. Have you any idea, Liam, on costing? How much would these new stations cost? And I suppose that's what we come back to. I suppose they, I suppose our first thing there would be to get a feasibility study done, um, and 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 I suppose that's important, you know, because as I said there earlier as well, is look, some of these might be where you could drop off people, they get the train, they're collected after, um, you could have, I mean, but there was there was ample parking there as well at one stage, um, some of the other stations might might not have the parking, but they could still have that facility of of dropping up people off and being collected as well, you know, so it would still take cars off the road, you know. Mm, yeah, it's to look at it all and how much and try to work out how much it would um, yeah. uh, 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 cost. Uh, but certainly it is really now as well up to local communities as, you know, Councillor Gillian Coughlin, the mayor of Cork County said, you know, you talk to anybody in West Cork and we it often comes up here on the programme, people lament the fact that they lost their rail service in West Cork. We have one in North Cork but it's a matter of making it better for the people living here. Yeah, and and I suppose going going forward, like if 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 um if you take Mallow as well as as a, as a town, Mallow is developing, and and I mean I mean this morning there when we heard you know the different things about Mallow and so forth. So Mallow Mallow is a hub town, the same as Middleton, but we we need to get the investment down here as well on this side because I I any time I hear I hear about East Cork, right? and I give you a simple example there is. We were waiting on bus shelters in, in, in North Cork in, uh, here for two and a half years and they were promised and they yes, haven't been installed. And 
at present we're seeking bus shelters as well in new trooper house and rat off because no bus stop should be given without a bus shelter. It, 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 it 100%. Out, 100%. You know, I mean, they're out in country roads and they're out in the, in the main road with the out on, 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 on in 20 and, and people have, if they have to wait even a couple of minutes, they could be drenched by the time they get on. So, I mean, it, 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 it's disappointing. We've been told the money is there for the bus shelters um, and we will keep pursuing it. There's no doubt and we will we, we get them but you know, I think it, they should have been delivered before now. OK. All right, listen, we leave it there. Um, we'll keep a close eye on this story, Aleem. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks yeah, for joining thanks. us on the programme. Good morning to you. Yeah. Uh, good morning to you. That is Fianna Gael Councillor Liam Madden on his plea for extra train stations along the Limerick-Cork railway line. 0818-103-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And just by the way, on the mask mandate that we kicked off the programme with and a lot of, of people, angry people I think and people saying I know what you're talking about I've never stopped wearing my mask uh, mask. but then other people saying dread the idea of masks being brought back in on a mandatory uh, nature we're up on our Insta stories the C103 Insta stories there's a, a voting poll which is open now on should face masks be introduced on public transport or supermarkets so if you are on Insta take a look at that and vote what you think yes or no you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed comments coming in with regard to still getting calls and texts coming in with regard to uh, masks somebody saying yes bring back the mandatory nature of wearing masks it should never have been lifted in the uh, first place and someone else says uh, Trish on mask uh, wearing we were on a Ryanair flight last week we got onto the plane and everyone was told they needed to put their mask on I'd say about 10 people did I still wear my mask in public places I was on a Ryanair flight a few weeks ago and as we were boarding everyone was told they wouldn't be allowed to board unless they had their mask on and there was a massive scramble at the gate there wasn't any mask on sale for people who didn't have masks with them they were then going on to ask other passengers do you have a spare mask do you have a spare mask and thankfully people were very kind and passed out masks to other people and everybody managed to get on the flight but then once we were on the flight people were taking them off so it didn't make any sense as to why there was this big push of refusing you boarding without a mask and then when you were on the plane you didn't need to wear one so I don't quite know what's going on with Ryanair with regard to mask wearing now on the French and the fishing um, issue that we discussed in the last hour and these military exercises that are going to take place from June 23rd which is this Thursday to June 25th which is this Saturday off Ireland's southwest coast. The manoeuvres are understood to be bigger in scale than what was proposed by the Irish by the Russian army and the Russian Navy should I say and when the Russian Navy were proposing their particular manoeuvres our own government were up in arms about it I don't know if they're going to have a different view because it is the French or not, but certainly the fishermen, they managed to get the Russians to change their mind. Will they manage to get the French to change their minds uh, this week? Somebody said, have the Irish government any powers at all when it comes to these military or Navy manoeuvres by the uh, French? Test or no test, it once again is in Irish waters. What if one of these missiles goes astray? Then what? 
no, no, no. Keep our waters for the future of this country, please, says this uh, texter. And someone else says, French fishermen have probably taken more fish out of the area than the Irish. The government are caught sitting on their hands again. The, front, the French will walk all over us and we, the Irish, will be seen as the good boys of the EU. So I'm assuming that somebody else who wants their, the French to move those, um, those military exercises. And, you know, I think as Patrick talking on behalf of the fishermen, Patrick Murphy, this morning, they're saying, look, just go beyond the Ireland's exclusive economic zone. You know, I made the point there's a vast amount of water out there. They could just move further away just to make sure that it's not in any way going to interfere with our fishing stock. But many people are saying we shouldn't be doing these exercises full stop. Have we not enough war going on in this world at the moment? 0818103103 and just a couple of other this is back on masks I don't mind I wouldn't mind wearing the masks again if it means that Covid is controlled also if it means that we don't return to lockdowns I would balk our protest if I thought we were going to have another lockdown says Christine in Cork now I don't think there's ever any mention of another lockdown uh, Christine I think a lot of people would agree with you on that nobody wants to go back to those days and then John was back on to us from Blackpool John had contacted us last week because he was a little bit unsure on what to do it's with regard to COVID he had had a visitor into his home one day last week and the following day the visitor contacted him to say just to let you know John I tested positive for COVID-19 and John was looking for what did he need to do and we were telling him that you know under the new guidelines you don't really have to do anything you just need to keep an eye out for symptoms but obviously for peace of mind I'd suggested to John he could always go in and get some antigen tests and that's exactly what he did he said I bought a five pack of antigen tests that cost me 10 euro I've tested negative by the way well done John but I also wear my mask at all times and that's the absolutely responsible thing to do if you are fearful that you could come in contact with somebody with COVID-19 is to test but as you know I mentioned when I was speaking about the mask uh, mandate the problem with the antigen tests like for John you have to go out and buy them and if you've a family with five or six you have to buy a lot of antigen tests they can be quite expensive particularly with the cost of living and the way the cost of living is at the moment and actually on the cost of living an early text in from a listener saying Hi Patricia how did the anti-inflation protest go at uh, the weekend? Well it depends on who you talk to but a lot of people a lot of the organisers seemed to be happy enough uh, with it and the government as a direct result of those protests over the weekend according to Own English in the Examiner today is back once again facing a call to increase core social welfare rates by €20 a week as part of a budget package that will help low-income households. Now, the traditional increase in social welfare is €5, but this is a call now to make that €20 a week. Now, thousands of people took to the streets for these cost-of-living rallies all over the country, but it's Social Justice Ireland, their chief executive, uh, Father Sean Healy. He he is going to use his address today to the National Economic Dialogue at Dublin Council and he's going to be urging the government to do no harm to low-income households in the October uh, budget. And he is saying 
that the government need to increase social welfare rates by €20 a week, replace the minimum wage with a living wage. He wants it brought in immediately, €12.90 an hour. And he also will call for further addresses, that further further things that address the working poor situation by making tax credits refundable. Now, the cost of living rallies at the weekend has dozens of stories of increasing financial struggles and pressure and stress. Uh, uh, Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners, she addressed the Cork uh, rally and she says she wonders, does the government know just how difficult it has been for so many with thousands homeless, people hungry, people going cold, people struggling to pay their bills with some elderly people now simply afraid to turn on the lights, the heat, buy coal or even turn on the cooker because of the uh, rising uh, costs. And I know the organiser of the Cork rally that was Mick Barry. He claimed the attendance was about a thousand on uh, Saturday and he says that that turnout was larger than the first anti-water charges rally and he says it's just the start of the campaign because when we mentioned it last week they're hoping to sort of build these protests and that's exactly what they did with the water charges and people power certainly worked on worked there. Now I know Micheál Martin said at the weekend this is on the budget that measures to help people cope with the rising prices especially energy costs are likely to kick in soon after budget day in October instead of the usual you know most people the budget gets announced in October but then the increases don't kick in till January or sometimes they don't kick in until March he's expecting that they will kick in sort of quickly after uh, budget day but he has once again over the weekend resisted calls for any kind of a mini uh, budget insisting that the autumn budget will be the cost of living budget and stressing that the government has engaged in exploratory discussions with the social partners about the best and most strategic way uh, to deal with the uh, issue. So again we're back to and I know it was one of the things with the cost of living protests at the weekend. People were very much saying we need help now. We can't wait until an announcement in October and then possibly increases maybe coming in at the beginning of November but certainly the government party is still ruling out a mini budget and for any kind of increases in social welfare there would have to be some kind of a mini uh, budget so it's certainly looking like it's going to be October but at least when it gets announced in October increases should kick in fairly, fairly quick after that. John O'Donovan in the city who in fairness was one of the people who was very much involved with the water the anti-water charges protest He's claiming that the first water protest in Cork had 30,000 people and McBarry said it didn't. It started out very small uh, and he said he remembers one protest, 30,000 people there, very bad weather day but people still turned out. He was very disappointed to see only about 1,000 people showing up at the cost of in the cost of living protest on uh, Saturday. He said considering all the people that are acting your programme and other radio programmes and TV shows and everyone is complaining about the cost of living everyone is complaining about the rising cost of fuel look at the numbers of people that are going to Cork Penny Dinners I think actually yesterday when Katrina Toomey was talking about Cork Penny Dinners she actually said they are now feeding over 500 people a day is what they are uh, feeding. So John is saying with all of those people, he was very disappointed to see such a low turnout. He thought it was a miserable turnout in Cork on 
Saturday. And Ian Inglamar says he feels the reasons that the protests in Cork City, and they were pretty small as well in Dublin and in the other parts of the country. I think, you know, in total there was a, there was probably about four or 5,000 if you added all of the protests together around the country. Uh, Ian feels that the reason that the protests, particularly the one in Cork City, was small was because of the involvement of some political parties. If no political parties were involved, he reckoned the crowds would have been uh, bigger. Well, I know Mick Barry was one of the main organisers for uh, Cork. He's with the Solidarity uh, Party and Sinn Féin's Thomas Gould because we were to speak with Mick Barry last week and he wasn't available and he said, look, one of the other organisers is Thomas Gould of Sinn Féin. So um, Thomas joined us in, in says so it seems to predominantly be Sinn Féin and, uh, and Solidarity. And I know certainly in uh, Dublin, I saw the Sinn Féin leader, me, Mary Lou MacDonald. She was holding a poster uh, taking part in the Cost of Living Coalition March in Dublin. So there was some political involvement in organising it. And Ian in Glamour reckons that could have been one of the reasons. I don't know if that would affect why people would go or not. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103 C103 Jobs An electronic technician is wanted for Superlum they're based in Carrigaline flexible hours are available you email gary at superlum.ie Irish Retail Association they have a community employment vacancy for an activities assistant for the Black Rock area CVs please to victoria.plat at iwa or you can call them at 087-944-2192. A CE position is available for an outdoor maintenance person that's at Castle Freak Trails. Call 085-2579501. And the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they're looking for a night porter. CVs to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. It was five years ago this month that little Anna Brown from Mallow finally got her diagnosis that led her on a journey that took her to the States where she underwent life-changing surgery that would fulfil her dream to dance. Anna is now 11. She's actually back in Boston where she's undergoing intensive physiotherapy but our mother Evelyn has taken some time out just to give us a quick update. Uh, good morning to you Evelyn. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now the type of physio that Anna is receiving in Boston, is that not available here in Ireland? No, not for children, no. Is it, it's, it's, it's very similar to... Um, do you know the place up in Dunleary where people would go after car accidents or brain injuries? The National Rehabilitation so Centre. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very similar to that, but it's based totally on children. And when Anna so had it's very intense. When Anna had her surgery back in twenty eighteen, did you always know that there would be this follow up physio needed? No, I didn't. But it, see again, I kinda of rushed into things with Anna because she was diagnosed in 2017 and we had the surgery in 2018. So my main, well, our main aim at the time 
was like get the surgery. Um, but as you go along, you learn that um, yeah, the physio is needed. And does she have a lot? She has a lot of physio because I, I follow you on Facebook. She does a lot of physio here at home, doesn't she, as well, and exercises? She does a lot of physio at home, and it's a lot of it home based as well that we would do ourselves at home. But this type of physio is just like it's four hours a day now for three weeks. God, that's full on, isn't it? It's full on, and she does find it tough, but um, she sleeps really well after it. <laughs> But she feels the gains. Does she? She feels the gains. She came to us last year, around November, December, and she said to myself and her dad that um, I'm losing the benefits, she said, of Napa. Napa's the place we're in now. And I said, what do you mean you're losing it? She said, my body is just changing. I need it again. I know I need it. And that's so because of, co- and, uh, and I'm assuming that's because of growing as well, is it? Oh, it's growing, and that is pretty tall. Yeah. Which is a downside, really, with cerebral palsy. And this will all ease as well as um, she finishes puberty. That's what they're telling me, anyway. Okay. And four hours a day, for God, for a little eleven-year-old, you certainly, yeah. she certainly isn't having a holiday in Boston. Um, that's no, that's she's your... now at seven. And we finish at 11. Does she ever complain about it? No. Um, there might be a few tears. But the people that are doing the therapy, they can they can just turn around the humour straight away. They're just brilliant with her. There's a lot of kids here. There's another child from Ireland here as well at the moment. Um, there's people from the UK. From... Budapest, they're from everywhere. So can you then pick up some of the the skills that you're, because obviously you're with her every day, will you be able to replicate some of them at home, do you think? Oh, I can. And I I take um, notes every day and I take pictures then and we print the pictures at the end of the week and I put the picture in next to the notes just so that I can kind of remember. And... We do telehealth then as well, which is like Zoom calls. With the physios? With the physios, yeah. Great, great, that's No, I wouldn't be doing that a couple of days a week because it's too expensive, but we check in every couple of weeks. Okay, and it's it's all it's all benefiting her, and that's what this is uh, is all about. And overall, yeah. um, Evelyn, how is how is Anna doing? She's is she in sixth class now? She'll be heading into sixth class heading in September. In. All right. How is she doing yeah. at school? She's okay. She's got very good health. She's in the Grail School there in Mallow. And um, they're brilliant. And she's got a fantastic resource teacher. Brilliant. Like last year when we were in Boston, he gave up his lunch break every day to work an hour with Anna. Um, so he'd check in here about, used to be half seven our time, which was half twelve his time, and he'd give her an hour. But this year, her physio was earlier, and honestly, we just said we'd give her a break. Yeah, listen, when she's but doing she four doing hours, provision out for the summer. Yeah, but when she's doing four hours of physio, like God, yeah, that's what he said. He said, Evelyn, just give her a break. Yeah. Now yeah. we're lucky here because, um, you know, we're very lucky anyway because these opportunities only came about for Anna 
and I'll always say it down to an interview that I done with you. Um, there was a Boston guy who was originally from Cork listening to the I don't know if he was listening, but I think the interview was reported on the Irish Examiner. And to make a long story short, he reached out, contacted us. And we call him Anna's Fairy Godfather. And he pays for Anna's therapy. This is the gentleman um, who, who won't allow us to name him. All we know yeah. is that he's originally from Cork. And for whatever yeah. reason, Anna's story really touched him. Yeah. And as he reached out to me about this place, um, in what I told him about different therapies, uh, we came up with Napa. And last year he took us over and like where we're staying now, literally across the road from where they're staying. So we see them most days and his kids are the same age as Anna. Ah, that might, like, that might just, explain it. Yeah, like that's, I think that's what gets her through it, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's a good guy. There's good... I, I've had tough days, yeah. I have a very tough weekend, to be honest. And um, it doesn't matter who you've around, really, it's not your family. And I do have friends here. And I have friends outside him. But this weekend was pretty tough, yeah. And who's but Anna who, and Emma are fine. Yeah, Emma, your other daughter is with you, isn't it? I know I feel desperate. I bring Emma along for support. But, um, and I know next year I won't be able to because she's going to be in third year. But she didn't need to miss any school because she's in secondary, so. She's on a holidays. Yeah, and listen, but the time will come. She won't want to come with me. Like, but it's it's okay to have down days as well. You know, you're you're a very strong person. You've been a, an amazing mother to uh, Anna. But you know, every now and again, you are going to get downtime, and you, and you need to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself, you won't be able to look after little Anna. Well, what I done this is, I just locked myself in the bathroom. <laughs> you don't want to see them cry. You don't want them to see you cry. And, so, and what was it about this weekend that got to you? My sister had a baby last week after a very tough road. Really tough. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And um, then my uncle died. And you and were my away. father not very, very sick. Uh. And this all happened in the past week. Yeah. And when, when are you back? When are you home? The 9th of June, like, I think. Well, you have another few weeks. I do. All right, well, and I'm fine. I'm okay today. today I know. It will be good now. It will be good. It will be a good day, and yeah. Anna, Anna will have a great visit. Set, and I'm watching the clock because I know they want they want Anna in uh, earlier uh, this morning. So uh, yeah. you just you mind yourself because that's important. Is the weather lovely over there? Ah, uh, gee, no, it's not as nice as yours at the <laughs> moment. Last weekend, last week was beautiful, but no, yesterday was pretty cold. It was like 14 degrees. How was it? But that, today is meant to be gorgeous. Yeah. Is it? Okay, try and get out yeah. and try. And then it gets too hot then as well, so I don't know. Are we ever happy? <laughs> That's us, the Irish. Too hot, too cold, yeah. too wet. Like last week, I was given out, it was too warm. And then yesterday, I was like, it's too cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, physio is the main reason, so the weather doesn't matter. And is the physio just Monday to Friday? It's Monday to Friday, but like five up. It's 20 hours a week, like, yeah. yeah. Okay, listen. and yeah, we, there's there's time to do other stuff, but um, to be honest, when she comes home, she has a radox bath for about an hour, and then we try and chill, and then we might meet the friends in the evening, just to go to their house and the kids play and stuff. And then it starts all you over know, again the next day. And then it starts all over again, yeah, because you now we did try and do some sightseeing yesterday, but um, we went into Cheers, just the bar Cheers, yeah. And but they don't really have any interest. They just want to be with their friends and that's it. Yeah. They're children. So They're children. Yeah. That's all they and, want. And do you know what they say, which is which is funny, she will be back here again and I'm like, looky ye. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, go. So, I'll, I'll leave you off to get to your appointment um, across the road. And uh, I wish you well, um, Evelyn, and, and thank you for taking time out because we, we, we really did no, want to just... No, but thanks again to... Um, uh, to everyone that did help. I was thinking of it there. There was Mike um, who helped with the dance. There was a lovely lady, Betty, that gave coffee morning. There were strangers who donated money. Like, all, your interview got the ball rolling well, back nice. then when I was probably at my worst days ever. Yeah, but it was, it was you as a mammy who sold that story and sold it so well. You couldn't I help guess, but and be even touched. when I speak to this guy that's helping us now, I say that to him and he said it was just how you told the story. Yeah. That's what he said to me. But um, now yesterday was Father's Day, obviously. So Anna called him her fairy godfather. <laughs> because like that, we're not allowed to say who he is and whatever. That's so and sweet. he does, he likes that. So yesterday morning she made sure she said happy Father's Day. and um, But it all came from me, so I'm grateful for that forever. <laughs> Listen, you don't you don't ever need to, to say anything with that, that regard. We were just... So it's just so thrilled that we were able to help you in any way. Give Anna and Emma a hug from us, uh, Evelyn, and we look forward to having you back in Mallow and the girls back in Mallow soon. And uh, thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us. 
Thanks. Have a good day. Okay, you too. You too. Bye bye. Uh, if we can, everyone just keep poor Evelyn and little Anna in, in our thoughts and prayers just over the next couple of weeks as they continue with that very intensive uh, physiotherapy. And I think everyone hoped that as soon as the operation was over, you know, life would return to normal for little Anna. And remember, her campaign at the time was Anna's Dream to Dance. That was the fundraising campaign. But there's a long, long road ahead for her to lead as normal a life as uh, possible. We can all be so thankful, those of us that are lucky enough to have uh, healthy kids. 0818103103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. And can I give a mention to this because it came in earlier from Bantry, from Eileen, for fear that I miss out on it because there's a lot of texts in. Eileen is with the care of the aged. That's the charity shop that's on Main Street in Bantry. And she's trying to contact a lady from Adrigal and she's just hoping that this lady from Adrigal might be listening to the programme today. A lady from Adrigal popped into the care of the aged charity shop and she was looking for the people, the volunteers inside in the shop, if they would collect small teddy bears for her and they've duly been doing it and they now have a number of small teddy bears collected and nobody can find the woman from Adrigal's telephone number you know somebody wrote that number down really safe and put it into a very safe place and then nobody can remember where the safe place is so they've asked us if we can do a shout out the lady who wanted the small teddy bears is obviously some part of a knitting group because they knit clothes that they put onto the teddy bear and then the teddy bears are put into, you know, the shoebox appeal at Christmas. So they're small little teddy, teddy bears. And whoever this knitting group were, they just didn't have enough teddy bears. So very sensibly, this lady from Madrigal popped in and said to the charity shop, do you ever get teddy bears? And of course they do. So they said they'd wait until they had enough teddy bears collected for her. And then they'd give her a call. But lo and behold, they've lost the phone number. So does that ring a bell with anyone? Or is that lady from Madrigal happen to be listening to us? If so, can you make contact with us, please? Or if you can pop in directly to the care of the aged charity shop on Main Street in Bantry because they have your little teddy bears for 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Last week was World Refill Day, and we spoke on the programme about how important reusing and recycling is when it comes to our environment. So, to discuss IRD Do Hollow's Re Love Paint project. I'm joined by Colm O'Connor. Good morning to you, Colm. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Are you Great uh, opportunity to give us our, to, to, to showcase well, our, our, our... Well, listen, it's a pleasure. And I remember when this project first started, uh, doing a piece with IRD Hollow on it. So just remind listeners how your Relove Paint project operates. Well, I suppose, I suppose in IRD Hollow here, we have a certain amount of social enterprises under the under the IRD umbrella, I suppose, you know, from warmer homes to community laundry to the Duhalla Community Foods and IRD Duhalla Furniture Revamp. Now, it is through Revamp, we actually are doing the uh, Relove Paint project. Um, all these, of course, are driven by our CAO, um, Mara Walsh, and she, um, we, we got this idea from Cock County Council. It's kind of, you know, a project in collaboration with them. The problem um, with this, Patricia, is that in Cock County alone and Cock County and City, there's 190 tonne of paint every year dropped to the civic community sites. Mm-hmm. So of that paint, 60% of it is water-based paint. 
So on that, it, then that's 60% that's possibly able to be recycled, you know? Yeah. Um, so normally what happens here is it's shipped to Germany for incineration at a huge cost, both environmentally and economically, to the county and city. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, what we do, I suppose, next is the project itself. Um, so we were approached by Cork County Council, and Cork County Council um, have the relocated brand. So I suppose Cork City Council and Cork County Council came together um, under Mary Walsh and Michelle Green, and they approached us as a, like a pillar. So we have three pillars. There's three pillars within the con- within the county. You have NCE in Farnham Ferris, uh, Cycle Sense in Skibbereen, and ourselves here in Newmarket and IRD2 Hollow. So there are three pillars that will say go to the civic community sites, process the paint, and then get it ready for sale. Um, regarding the process, I suppose, um, so what we do basically is we started because we're kind of starting small, we'll be moving on then around our local areas, but right now we're picking up from um, Kentuck and Newmarket civic community, or sorry, Kentuck and Millstreet civic community sites. So what we do is we go and we collect the paint. Now, not all of it can be brought back. As I say, it's only the water-based paint can be brought back. Okay. But we also, um, you know, some of that could be going stagnant or gone off, so we can't use that. But we bring back the stuff that can be used, and it goes through a process here of filtering, remixing, colouring, and so on. And then it's rebucketed and branded again with the Relove paint brand. And then you said it. Can you hear me? I just hear, no, yeah, yeah. So I said, and then you sell it on. People then get to use the paint. Yeah. So like, I mean, the, the story here is, I suppose, really, is that we sell it here inside in our own retail area here in 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 uh, revamp furniture. And I already do have a real furniture revamp. Um, so what we have here is um, we what we have is a high high quality product at a low cost. So five liters of recycled paint is fifteen euros. So I, I know that some people probably might find it hard to get involved sometimes, because I think it's a bit more expensive sometimes to get involved in the circular economy and environmental goals and so on. But this is a thing that is available to everyone and is um, affordable for everyone to do. How, you know? how much normally is would five litres of paint be in a normal so paint shop? Yeah, so depending on the product, I suppose, and depending on the manufacturer, it could range from anything from 70 to 100 euros, depending on, you know... Well, the, so the you're very reasonably priced. Yes, we're very reasonably right. And, you know, I suppose, really, we're trying to promote it now. And what we're doing at the moment, really, Patricia, is we're trying to grow confidence in the product. So just so as actually we have agreed recently with, with Cork County Council, which will be very interesting now for some of your listeners today, is that we have agreed to give some free paint to uh, our local communities, Brilliant. community groups. For example, anyone with halls or small GA clubs or with their dressing room wants to be painted or whatever like that. Um, we, can, we can afford to give them some free paint for them to try it off. And what they can do then is, through their social media, tell us what kind of their experience was. And hopefully that we grow confidence in that way. Mm, absolutely. So Abs- thought- absolutely. And, and, and there's another side to this. We need to encourage um, people, Colm, to drop off their used paint. I mean, we all have paint somewhere at home. And for we whatever yeah. reason, you, that half tin, oh, sure, I'll use that. You know in your heart and soul yeah. you're never going to use that paint again. So as soon as we're finished with it, get it into the civic community sites mm-hmm. so that it hasn't gone off and you guys can use it. Well, that's exactly it, you know. And I mean, the thing about it is that, like, I mean, and you are right. And I don't know, was it the way we were brought up or whatever? Yeah. We always think that we'll use it because somebody will knock the wall or something will happen and we'll have something to touch it up or whatever. But really, in effect, that never happens, as you know. 
and we do want to, to, to give it in as soon as you can, but it's most important that it goes to the civic community side. So that's where the processing takes place from our point of view, and that's where the collaboration with Cock County Council staff as well from our point of view. And I you think know? fantastic that we're stopping paint going to Germany to be incinerated. But, you know, Absolutely, whatever yeah. whatever about the cost is, is shocking, but what that does to the environment. And now instead, people can reuse, yeah. reuse this paint. And how many, and diff- how many different colours do you have? So what we have here is basically what you see, the colours, we have batches of paint. So we make paint in batches of, we say like 30 or 40 years and put it in, into tins, like we'll say, so, or into cans here. So we say, we'll say like if you farted it in, like for example, you'll have eight, five litres, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that batch will be a certain colour. Okay. You know what I mean? Now, th- there might be a small bit of a thing there, but we, we can't, we, we can try our best to match that colour again. We can't guarantee an exact replica of that colour. So buy know? enough paint at the start. Buy enough paint. <laughs> but the only thing I will say for the communities is, that, like, in the communities, for example, I can say right here today that if the communities are interested in coming on board, trying out our paint in their place, we'd ask them to get involved here, ring Tony, my colleague in, in Revamp, at, at the number here, or contact him on our email address, and he can make an arrangement with you for, it's internal paint is the, is the thing, though, Patricia, it's, it's internal emulsion paint, yeah. and it's really far with their walls inside, you know what I mean? But it's a great initiative, like, and, and it's, it's great brilliant. to see it being it's reused, you know? And somebody wants to know, where is the Real Love Paint on sale? So Real Love Paint is for sale here at IRD Duhallow in Newmarket. Um, okay. We have it for sale in, in our, what we call our furniture revamp. Uh, it's a, that's the social enterprise that we've been running now for a long time here inside uh, since 2016 with our furniture and our reupholstery and things like that. And we've incorporated that into it. So we have a stand inside there and we have all the paint up for sale inside. And any one of the lads inside can you can buy you can buy there. And tell me a bit about the revamp the furniture project. How that's going for you? So the revamp furniture project, I suppose, really was uh, started in 2016. So it's where we could take in donations to furniture. Now the furniture uh, we take in, um, we we do it up slightly and as much as we can, clean it, and we set it out again. The big thing here is like the furniture, and we also have an upholstery service in there as well. So a lot of people who do, you know, tops of seats for kitchens and full, like, Queen Anne chairs and things like that, we can do everything like that inside there as well. But what I, what I will say is that the, the, the situation with that in 2016 when we started is what we have now with the paint, is to grow a confidence in people to use second-hand goods and to repair what they have. Because, you know, that's where we came from here as part of the secular economy inside Nayardi Duhalo is that, like, we want you to reuse whatever you can. And sometimes old furniture can be a lot better quality than new, when you, than the new stuff you get. So that can be reupholstered or repainted or repurposed in some way. And then you see, like, it's, it's, again, it's the paint and so on. Again, going back now, for example, with the paint, we need to grow confidence in this. I mm. know that people may have reservations over it, but there is no need whatsoever to Give it a that. try. Give it a try and you'll see. Give it see. a try and we're yeah. here to, be, to, to, to pick up the... Yeah, and I, that's why yeah. I think the community groups, any community groups uh, would be foolish for them not to get involved, particularly when you're offering them, them the paint uh, for free. And I think through that, people will say, God, that paint is fantastic. That's it, and that's exactly it. And you won't really know until you actually try it. Yeah. But I mean, from, like, I, mean I, I know that we all have our own painters in our own house, but actually I use it myself and I found it absolutely outstanding. And that's not because I'm here on the radio yeah. trying to say how good it is, but it is. Do you know what I mean? And it does work. Like, and we have a fierce confidence ourselves in it and we have a confidence to put on the shelves and put IRD's name to it as well. It's brilliant. Know? It's brilliant. Has this been replicated around the country, Colm? 
So, Norm, you know what has happened. I've seen this in Europe for years, and it's happening all over Europe on a lower scale. I suppose we've started. Um, I think Cock County Council and City Council really are, are, are one of the main pioneers of the whole thing. And, and But it is around the country, and they are start, it seems to be starting a lot. Um, I think it's that the county councils really are looking at things differently, I suppose, and they're looking at how can they reuse what even comes into their civic community sites. And this is one thing, I suppose, that costs huge money, but as I say, economically and um, environmentally. I know we have something here as a solution to the problem, you know? Yeah, and God knows we we see the effect of what's happening to the environment. We're seeing mm-hmm. climate change. And as I mentioned in the introduction, I spoke about World Refill Day and that was all about reusing and recycling. So it ties yeah. in so perfectly with that. We're seeing heat waves across Europe uh, happening way too often. Like we, You know, we, we have to do everything that we can. Anne yeah. says, can the paint be used outside? It's only for inside, isn't it? It's only inside. It's, it's only, only inside. Emotion. And, you know, getting back to what you just said there, Patricia, sometimes, you know, the way they all say, like maybe when you're talking about the environment, like this, oh, let's say cars are too dear, it's too dear to reduce, to do something to my house, to, to do dear. But this is something that's simple and it's something that's quite economic. It's 15 euros for five litres. Brilliant. It's something that anyone can do. And if you are painting, it's probably the best quality painting you're going to get. Good on you. You've sold as well. Colin, pleasure to talk to you. Thank okay. you for that. Thanks, thanks and, for the opportunity, uh, and continue good luck with the project. That's Colin O'Connor from IOG Joe Hollow's Re Love Paint uh, project. And they also, of course, have their furniture revamp project uh, as well. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Keep your questions coming in for Annalise Drissel. You can call 0818-103-103. Somebody, when I mentioned antigen tests earlier on, is saying, is there a best by date on the antigen uh, tests? I don't know. I'm sure there is. I'd have to check when I go home. I know I have some antigen tests in the cupboard, but uh, I'm sure there possibly is a best by date. But just on best by dates, Anne was on to say that she found a tin of meat. It's out of date since the end, end of February. She found it in the back of the cupboard and she wants to know, is it okay to uh, eat? So I did a quick check while news was on just to see what's the online answer to this and I, I went to goodhousekeeping.com the people in the know and they say that with canned goods that are past their best bite uh, date while the taste mightn't be as good as it was the day you bought it they say there's no health risks in consuming canned goods as long as the goods the can remains in good condition what they mean by that is that it is bulging, rusted are uh, leaking and they say "My, what I would say to you is give it a go open up and take a look at it but according to goodhousekeeping.com there's no real health risk it just mightn't taste as good as the day you purchase it and when you think back to previous generations who didn't have best by dates on anything our parents our grandparents they kind of relied on common sense didn't they 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 looked on the, the smell of something or the taste of something and you'll generally speaking know I'd open up the can and and take a look at, at it I'm one of those ones I've, I'm not one of those ones that stick rigidly to the best by dates I the husband wouldn't touch anything if the sell by date was gone on it he'd be insisting it go straight into the bin I have to say hand on heart I've and I've never become unwell from eating anything that the best by date has gone on but as I say there's very much a divide on that you'll have people who stick religiously to the sell by date uh, and others who don't but I, I certainly go on that theory of what our grandparents and our parents uh, did they didn't have best by dates so they realised on their kind of common sense more than anything that's my top and safety worth but as I say according to goodhousekeeping.com 
they say there's no health risks. But let's give it out to others to see. Would you open at an eat a tin of meat that has a, an end of, a end of February as the sell by date on it? Would you be with me and eat it or would you be putting it in the bin? Your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp to 086 2103 103. Just a note on cost of living says this. Oh, before I go to that, because I have a couple of other cost of living ones, I just want to do others that have come into us on the programme. This is to do with graveyards. Kate in Passage West was on to say yesterday being Father's Day, they went to visit the graveyards and a lot of people would have done that yesterday and yesterday could be a difficult day for a number of people I think particularly that first Father's Day without your dad could be I saw a lot of people on social media feeling very sad and very lonely uh, yesterday so many people would have gone to visit their loved ones graveyards yesterday as our Kate in Passage West uh, did she went to their local cemetery which is in Passage West St Mary's is the name of the graveyard there she said it was perfect and so well kept Absolute pleasure. If you can call visiting a graveyard a pleasure, but you know, it was in really good nick. But she happened to meet up with a friend of hers who had also gone to visit a graveyard. And the graveyard her friend went to visit is Barnaheli, Barnahella in graveyard. It's near Ringeskiddy. And my apologies if I'm pronouncing that town's land incorrectly. But her friend was explaining there's a new and an old cemetery there near Ringeskiddy. But she said the new cemetery may as well be the old one. She says it's in an absolutely terrible condition. The only thing I can say to you, because we did touch on this last week on the programme with the cutting of grasses by the council. If it's the council's responsibility to look after those graveyards, they are behind on their work this year and that's to do with the lack of outdoor staff but they've got a contractor now in place or contractors I'm assuming now in place across Cork County to get to the green areas and to get to the cemetery so it will be done but it's disappointing particularly on such a busy day like Father's Day where there would have been a lot of people visiting that graveyard and would equally have found it upsetting to go into the graveyard if the condition is as bad as your friend has described. Thank you for that. That's Kate in a Passage. Dan in Ballonhassig, this is all tying in now with the cost of living. I take what Michal Martin was saying about the budget in October with a pinch of salt. I wouldn't, I'm not holding out much hope for the October budget, says Michael, or says Dan in Ballonhassig. Michael in Bottevin said with the price of fuel going up, the government uh, are not doing anything about it. They need to do, do something at the end of the day. When fuel rises, that means the VAT and the excise duty that the government make, that also increases. So with the rising fuel prices, the government are making a lot of money off fuel at the moment. Michael feels they need to be doing more. Finbar says oil is reducing and was at a three-week low last Friday. And it is. Dis- I'm, I'm assuming this is on the world market. It's decreased again this morning. So will they be as fast to reduce uh, prices as they are to increase them? No, we're always told if there's a fall in the world market, I think it's three weeks before we would expect to see any kind of fall at the pumps. And honestly, at the moment, with the on the price in the world market, doesn't really seem to be reflecting any difference at all in what we're paying at the uh, pumps. Now, some other issues coming in on by WhatsApp. Uh, we mentioned the call for additional train stops in 
railway stations in Butterfield, in Mornabi and Rathduff. Theresa says, Patricia, we're delighted here at Rathduff, Grenna. We now have the Cork Galway bus stopping at Rathduff post office every hour. And that's thanks to Councillor Lee Madden, who you had on the programme. So well done to uh, Liam Madden. That is from Teresa. Hi, Patricia. I know how people are feeling at the moment. I'm dreading the winter as everything in my house is run on electricity and the bills that are coming in for the summer months are already scarily high and I don't have the heaters on because obviously it's the summertime. I'm struggling to put food on the table. I'm catering with two teenagers who have disabilities. Is there any help out there to put some other type of heating into the house? And listen, the only place I can point you to if you're really struggling that badly, community welfare officer with his ads running on the radio telling people who are struggling to go to their community welfare officer. But I don't know I, I don't know if are you in a private house are you in a council house I don't know what, what other type of heating I know you're trying to look for something that would be cheaper than if it's electricity it's storage heaters is it that you're, you're using and anyone solely relying on electricity for heating this winter certainly you're not going to be on your own uh, a lot of people are going to be feeling it can anybody suggest anywhere for this lady to go the only heating in the house is, is electricity. Any schemes in place that could help her to change the type of heating in her house. But believe me, if you're struggling with your bills, please do get on to your local community welfare officer. Heidi says, Patricia, is the government really listening to us at all? I don't think they are. Asking us to wait until October in the budget for any kind of a dig out is a joke. The TDs are all on great wages, so they don't really have to worry about anything like, like the rest of us. Something has to be done and pretty quick. The government is really happy to let the fuel prices rise and you can see why the amount of money they're raking in on the fuel uh, is happening all of the time. Uh, Anne says, Hi Patricia, I was one of those people who went to the protest on Saturday against the high cost of living and Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinner spoke so well on our behalf. I'm hoping that Micheál Martin will cop on and do something to help us. Everything has gone up in price at an alarming rate but we still have to pay all of the same bills. All we have been offered and we have been offered grants to help us to do essential repairs to our house, but we still have to come up with a bit more money up front. How can we, who live on the state pension, come up with that kind of money? My home is over 50 years old. It's in need of a lot of repairs. I simply can't afford it like many other people in my position. I think that our government should try and live our lives for one month and see how they get on with it. And that is from Anne. And then another listener, and this is more to do with the w- people out at work finding it really hard at the moment. Patricia, just a note on the cost of living. I work part time. My husband works full time. We've got four children. One is starting secondary school in September. Two already are in secondary school and we've got one in national school. There, Everyone is on about increases in social welfare. But what about us? What about us that go out to work every day? Our bills and cost of living are all increasing and we won't be able to avail of anything. Why does it always seem to be whenever there is a downturn in the economy, any kind of a recession, there's always talk about increasing social welfare payments? What about the working class that will end up paying for all of these increases in social welfare? We always seem to be the ones that will have to foot these problems. I just don't get it. 
Yeah, and we're hearing a lot more from people like that, that squeezed middle. And in fairness to the government, you'll hear Leo Varadkar in particular is always on about the squeezed middle. But yet the squeezed middle, the people that are out at work all the time, are really the ones that seem to be struggling uh, the most. But then on the other side, the people that are on social welfare, particularly pensioners, who are not in a position to earn anything extra. I don't know if anybody saw that woman who was on the news. I don't know if she was on Virgin Media or on RT on, on the news. An elderly woman who was just talking about how she's coping at the moment with the cost of everything going up. And she doesn't put her heating on. And she, because she just can't afford it, she was talking about she must have oil central heating and she was talking about how the oil central heating has gone up over the last year. It's doubled on the last amount of home heating oil that she got. So she's either run out or she's limiting how she's using her home heating oil. So on days that she knows that it's going to be cold, she said she'll make her sandwiches and she'll get a bottle of water. And she, because she is an old age pensioner, she has the free travel and she gets on the train in Dublin and she travels down to Cork. And she, when she arrives in Cork, she gets off and she'll eat her sandwiches and drink a bottle of water at the train station in Cork and then she'll get back on the, the train on the return journey. So that probably keeps the, what is it, two, and two, uh, two, hour, two odd hours uh, down, maybe an hour at the train station and then back up again. And while it's away the day, but it keeps her warm. And I just thought, listening to it, my God, have we gone that bad that we have? Because I, I remember in, in many, many years ago in England when they were talking about the homeless situation over in London, people used to get a tube ticket and they'd just sit on the tube and go around in a circle you know, until you come off the tube and use your ticket. You can stay on. And people would stay on it in order to keep warm when there was very cold weather. And, you know, it struck me when I saw this uh, woman talking, as I say, on the news. I was thinking, have we gone that bad that an old age pensioner feels the only way to keep warm is to get on the train and go on a round trip from Dublin to Cork and then back up again with her packed sandwiches uh, with her. 0818 103 103 our lines are uh, open OK let's lighten the mood slightly let's give away some tickets to Christy Moore live at the Marquee Now my cheque is spent and I can't afford the rent It's an appropriate piece to play from Christy Moore What is the name of that song? We need answers please by text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Get your answers in now please and we will select a winner who then will win a pair of tickets to go along to see Christy Moore. He's playing live at the Marquee next Saturday night. That is the 25th of June. Now my cheque is spent and I can't afford the rent. OK, text and WhatsApp only, please, not by phone. I get texting and WhatsApping 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Sham Valley Moore, Golden Hour, Wednesday mornings from half 10 to half 11. People are invited to come along. Uh, where a where warm welcome and a cup of tea awaits you. Everybody is uh, welcome. Mid-summer open-air performance dance will be held in O'Neill Monument in Bantry this uh, Tuesday, 21st, as tomorrow at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, dancing to Jerry McCarthy and Liam Healy. If the weather is wet, the dance will be transferred to Cora Parish Hall. 
Carrick 2 will GAA are holding a three ball better ball golf classic it's happening on Wednesday and Thursday of this week the East Cork Golf Club presentation of prizes will be held on Thursday half past nine in Guiders Bar visit carrick2hgaa.com for more information and Ballinhasset Community Development Association are holding a fundraising Katie Marion Hall on Friday night dancing from half nine to half twelve uh, admission 10 euro and it does include teas. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie Mystery surrounds a strange tidal incident that happened in West Cork last Saturday that saw at least two harbours almost drain and refill in quick succession. Many in Union Hall and Court McSherry said they'd never seen anything like it before. Adrian Novotinsky is with the Irish Irish Deep Sea Charters and he was coming into Union Hall when it occurred and he joins me to describe what he saw. Uh, good afternoon to you, Adrian. Hi, how are we doing? Uh, you're, you're very welcome. Now, firstly, were conditions fairly calm and normal for this time of year? Um, yeah, yeah. We had a bit of a northerly breeze all day and I had uh, dropped off some people in Ross Carberry and was just coming back to Union Hall and I pulled in and picked up my mooring in pretty much calm conditions at, at low tide. And this was about 3.40, 20 to 4? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I probably picked up the mooring five minutes earlier and I was just getting ready to get off the boat. Describe what happened. Um, I was just looking at the salvage operation going on and it was dead calm. They were lifting a trawler at the pier. Um, I noticed the tide was starting to run quite strong. Like, And I thought, geez, the breeze is really pushing that out, the northerly breeze. But then it started to just accelerate to the point where it was pulling the mooring boys underwater around me. Um, so I started videoing that. And then that kind of escalated to really, I mean, it was really pouring out. Um, and I gave my dad a call to say, just to say that I didn't know what was happening, that it almost looked like there was a tsunami coming. Um, I mean, really draining out. And then uh, the boats, the mud started showing all to my west and north, where it would normally ever show up. Um, the boat sat on the bottom and started to just lean over, as it would when it's sitting on the mud. But uh, it never sits on the mud where my mooring is. It, it just about touches it, but it never, it would never dry out like that. And I could see all the other boats heeling over and kind of sitting hard on the bottom around me. And, you know, just as I was, uh, I ended my phone call in, I said I should video some of this. And that was just as it started, it was just beginning to pour back in. Um, about, I would say about a meter high, uh, not a wall, but uh, uh, you could see a raised level of water coming towards me. Um, they picked the boat back up, swung it around, and continued to break up across the mudflats. Pretty scary, was it? Oh, I, I really thought when I got off the boat that I was going to hear of a pretty sizable earthquake somewhere offshore, or my brain couldn't quite fathom what was happening. It, if you were on a river mouth in after heavy rain and there was big tides, you wouldn't think much of it. But the fact was, the tides weren't that big. It was a calm day. The tide was already out. Um, and then it, just where I was, it doesn't, it doesn't run out of there like that um, ever. And 
then I left the boat once it settled, and it started to go out. It started to go back out again. Um, so with a bit of effort, after speaking to some guys in a sailing boat who had just run aground, I rowed back to the beach, pulled the dinghy just out of the water, and went to help them get ashore. Um, by the time I turned around, my dinghy was halfway up the beach. The tide had drained way, way out again. Um, I helped them ashore, and eventually it started to flood back in. And it did that, uh, say that first one was about 20 to 4, and I stayed on the bridge till 5 o'clock watching the tide come in and go back out and come in and go back out again. Um, and how long did that go on for? Uh, I left there at 5 o'clock, and it was, that was about the fifth time it had come in and gone back out. So, um, so as quick as it went out, it would come straight back in, was it? Yeah, like it was, like it was surges. Um, mm. Like I kind of thought it was exactly what you'd imagine if you, you know, if you had something like a tsunami, where, you know, if you drop a rock in a puddle, the way it will leave a wave of ripples. Mm. Um, but none were as dramatic as the first one, um, which I would say pulled the water well, well below the normal tide level. Um, I mean, I've definitely never seen my it's so dry where my boat is or see other boats around me pretty much sitting up on dry mud um, yeah no matter what the conditions that's yeah, that is not in low, normal in union time. that's not normal in in union hall was there any damage done uh, surprisingly no i mean again i thought i would hear of more stuff after happening later on you know there'd be people on beaches and stuff that were going to see a pretty sudden surge and draining of the tide but I didn't hear of anything um, I mean I, I was looking at uh, there's a few boats out on moorings which aren't normally out because of the salvage operation that's going on there um, and I saw there was a, a small fishing vessel tied to another trawler which was on a mooring and I think like that boat was lucky to escape uh, the trawler the trawler laid quite heavily over on its side and uh, the smaller boat was tied to it. So, um, but but it all seemed to come right by the time it uh, it flooded back in. Um, a couple of yachts which were sailing up the harbour ran aground, um, and were stuck there for just a few minutes until it came back and lifted them off again. But thankfully, uh, but thankfully, no no damage and and no injuries. So you obviously then tried to do a bit of investigation. Was there an offshore earthquake anywhere? Uh, nothing sizable has showed up. Um, I mean, there was a few small quakes in uh, the Azores. I think earlier in the earlier in the day. Um, it's been about a week since there was anything big on the North Atlantic Ridge, as far as I'm aware. Um, you know, tides tides were big, but we were a few days after springs. They weren't particularly strong. Um, they were they were coming down onto neat tides. Uh, there was a bit of a northerly wind, which would push it out a little normal over beyond the normal level, and the pressure. There was a, a high and a low pressure system kind of over the area, so unless that all, you know, factored in to create some kind of phenomenon, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, somebody's um, wondering. Somebody's suggesting is this all back to climate change? Well, I sent an email to the um, Marine Institute. Um, the Irish Marine Institute, and they have a they actually have a tide level indicator in Union Hall, which has there is a graph online and it shows the spike below low tide and then the 
fluctuations as the tide comes back in. So they've they've forwarded that email now to another department. So hopefully we'll hear something back about about what may have gone on, but it was definitely well out of the norm anyway. We spoke earlier with the Irish South and West Producers Fish, Fish Producers Organisation about the French and what they're proposing, the naval forces and their manoeuvres. Could it have anything to do with that? Uh, personally, I wouldn't think so. Okay. I, I okay. think it's just too big, uh, unless something absolutely massive was going on that we don't know about. Uh, and hopefully um, not. Hopefully not. And, the, yeah. and, the, and the word on the ground, because obviously there, there's a lot of locals who've lived, lived in that area for many, many years. They've never seen anything like it before, by all accounts. No, no, it just seems it was, and I mean, there'll be people going, wondering, you know, what we're all talking about, because you could easily miss it. But if you had any, if you were in the know and you happened to be doing anything around the water at that time, it would be, you know, (laughs) it would be quite a surprise. So, uh, no, it's for the area we're in, um, it was very, very unusual. Um, and you were in Union Hall, but it was also reported from, from Court Mac. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a massive draining there in Court Mac. As well, yeah. Um, now, Court Mac has a much more severe tidal effect than we do normally. It's on an estuary. We're not. Um, so they have a very strong tide as a norm. But clearly this was well beyond what they're used to seeing as well, especially given the fact that it's dry weather and, you know, quite calm conditions. Uh, but the, the the tide in general there would be quite strong, but uh, they they did see quite a, an unusually high drop there as well. And and to add to that, the fact that it was going in and out there as well. Yeah, that's I mean, what makes it so, such a weird tidal uh, incident for sure. And come here, tell us, how is the Irish Deep Sea Charters going? Uh, it's OK. I think it's a little... Uh, Perhaps a little slower this year, but um, when we're out, the fishing is good. So, you know, we'll... Uh, Do you mainly get overseas up. people? Or who? Um, a good mix, a good mix. Uh, we get a, a fair share of people who are living here from all over the country. And, uh, yeah, um, as the summer picks up now and we get into tourist season, there'll be more and more, um, more and more from other places. And is the fishing good? Uh, fishing's been very good this year, As thankfully. Good. So hopefully good we'll see the mackerel come back later in the year and all will be well. Listen, Adrian, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks for sharing the story with us. No problem. Thanks very much. Yeah, good afternoon to you. That is uh, Adrian Novotinsky, who is with the Irish Deep Sea Charters. As I say, with this very weird tidal incident that happened, he was thought in Union Hall, but it's reported as happening in Court Mac as well, as everybody's scratching their heads to try to work out exactly what uh, caused it. 0818 103 103. We'll stop, we'll close off our text and WhatsApp on our Christy Moore. Now my check is spent and I can't afford the rent. Ordinary Man was the song we were looking for. Actually, I see a lot of people got it wrong, but a lot of people got it right. And our winner for today is Peter Nolan in Enniskeen. Congratulations to you, Peter. You've won a pair of tickets. You and whoever you want to bring with you will head to see Christy Moore live at the Marquee next Saturday night, the 25th of June. And we have a pair of tickets to give away every day this week and we'll do it the very same way a clip a different clip of a Christy Moore song every and we'll ask you then to text our WhatsApp text and WhatsApps are now available at 0862 
103103. If you have a question for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, get those into us, please. Or you can continue to call John Paul at 0818. 103-103 and we've closed off our Insta story on should face masks be introduced on public transport and in supermarkets and all indoor settings. We ran this since the start of the programme this morning. Oh, it's currently, so it's still running. Sorry, I thought it was being closed off. It's a kind of an even split. Uh, yes, 57% of people feel yes face masks should be uh, reintroduced. Oh, this is the result. 57% say it should be reintroduced with 43% saying no, it shouldn't be reintroduced. So more people, slightly more people uh, want mandatory face masking back than uh, those that don't. Uh, thank you to everybody who took part in that. That was on our yeah, Insta stories on C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic joining us on this uh, sunny Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome uh, to the programme. You can keep your questions coming, particularly your, your WhatsApps and texts 0862 103 103 and John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Somebody is wondering if Annalise could suggest something as a muscle relaxant. The person had a fall but their muscles are still aching as a result of the fall, what would you suggest? So I think probably um, two things here, Patricia. The first one really is arnica, because if you've fallen and your muscles are sore, you've you've got internal bruising and pulling up the muscle. And arnica is always absolutely the best for healing. Now, unfortunately, we are no longer able to get arnica homeopathically to sell over the counter anymore. So you'll have to make do with an arnica gel. And I'd rub that on morning and evening. Actually, I'd rub it on as many times during the day as you can. Also, if you keep it in the fridge, it's lovely. It's just so soothing when you put it on the area. So that's one thing I would recommend. If you can manage to get your hands on homeopathic arnica, I would take that as well. And then the other thing I'd recommend is magnesium. So magnesium is always good for kind of sore, achy muscles. And I would take that, I'd take a, I, I'd get a supplement of that and take it. And it just eases out muscles that are a bit damaged and crampy and sore. So the Arnica gel and the magnesium tablets. Okay, hi Patricia. I'm looking for information from Annalise, please, on how to prevent a reoccurring horse throat. It occurs quite regularly. Now, my throat doesn't get sore, but just it, my voice goes hoarse. What could it be? And is there anything I could do to prevent it? So it could be a couple of things, Patricia, and the, depending on what it is, then it would be a different remedy. So the first thing that rings an alarm bell with me is um, acid reflux or silent reflux. So a lot of people get acid coming up at night time um, and it irritates the throat or it irritates the voice box. And you can get a sore throat or a hoarse throat. And this is actually, a lot of people get a dry cough as well, but they don't get the burning symptoms, so they don't ever click that they possibly have acid reflux, but that can often be the case. So if it is acid reflux, we always recommend zinc carnison to tighten up the little valve at the top of the stomach so that acid fumes don't leak up. And we also recommend slippery elm taken before each meal for a couple of months just to allow um, to protect the stomach from acid that's released when you're eating and also for healing. So that would be if you think it could be anything to do with acid reflux. And it would be worse probably in the morning than it would be in the evening. The 
second reason it could be hoarse throat is it could be actually your voice box. It could be your larynx. So generally the best we recommend for that is um, marshmallow. It's a lovely um, herb for kind of coating everything with a very soothing, gentle, soothing and calming kind of a mucilage. So the best way to get that is by um, using Dr. Delish Clare throat coat or, sorry, the Dr. Delish Clare throat spray or you can get a throat coat it's called by Irish Botanica either of those products and if you can manage to get marshmallow leaves sometimes you can buy them in in um, health stores you can make a tea and you can drink it as a tea Okay what would Annalise suggest for a teenager on the summer holidays now who seems to sleep a lot is that just a common complaint from all yeah, teenagers Yeah I think let them sleep do you? Really do. Yeah absolutely I know my mother could never understand when I turned a teenager, I was the eldest and she used to get me out of bed at seven and eight in the morning and I used to just be <laughs> so angry. But actually teenagers need a huge amount of sleep, Patricia. They're, like they're, what's happening in a teenage brain is that loads of neurons are being pruned. So they're getting rid of loads of neurons and they're forming loads of new ones. And then, of course, there's the huge muscle and growth and bone spurt that's needed. So I think that teenagers... I mean, just don't let them stay up late at night. Make them go to bed at a reasonable hour because the best sleep always is between 11 o'clock onwards. So you're missing out on the very kind of healing and um, and rejuvenating sleep if you go to bed later than 11, really. But if they're going to bed early enough and they're sleeping late, their body obviously needs it, so I'd let them. Okay, all right. Your teenager will be uh, delighted with that. Now, a five-year-old, very fussy eater, will not eat any fruit or veg. Uh, He's always picking up colds and flus, unlike the other children in the house. Is this all down to his diet? Help, please. Could be, Patricia. It's really hard to know because I have customers who would come in and they'd say, it's the good eater that's always the one getting sick. So, you know, I think there's a lot. There's um, a lot of different things going on. But absolutely, if you don't eat vegetables and fruits, um, you're not getting the majority of vitamins and minerals that your body needs and that your immune system needs. So there could be a couple of things I'd recommend there. There actually is a supplement called Kids Greens by a company called Nature's Plus, And it's part of the animal parade, like the kids supplements. And they're kind of nice chewables. And they've got a whole pile of different um, extracts from your green leafy vegetables in there. So that's actually a very nice one if kids don't eat their vi- their, their their veggies. There's another way you can get them in which is even better and it's um, Terra Nova. They do um, a sneaky greens it's called and it's kind of a powder that you could add into smoothies or milkshakes even if you wanted to kind of make a milkshake with some cocoa and milk and honey and uh, give them a sort of a frothy milkshake. They're full of vitamins and minerals that you'd normally get in your vegetables. So that's a great way of sneaking them in. And then I always love the elderberry complex, the BioNutri. They do a great kids one, which is chewable. And it has got a lot of immune boosting stuff in there. So um, most things that are hard to get from the diet. So you could just maybe give them that and that would support the immune system as well. And the smoothie is a great way to hide things. So you can blend it in and they don't even know what they're what exactly. they're what they're taking. Yeah. Exactly. And I think for kids who won't eat berries as well and, you know, fruits otherwise, you could always put in a banana with a kind of a scoop of cocoa powder and a, a, a bit of peanut butter even. And that's a way of getting lots of other good nutrients into them that, you know, that looks like kind of a, a, an ice cream milkshake that you get from McDonald's. So that's a great way of putting those sneaky greens into that 
for kids. Yeah, okay. Marion is in her mid 40s. She has of late start waking up at least twice a night, needs to go to the loo. Never happened uh, before. Uh, she's wondering is it all just to do with time of life? Could be, Patricia. Again, um, it's very, very common that, like, we, we still have no idea what role oestrogen plays in women's health because so many things go south when you start becoming menopausal. Definitely the bladder control is one of them. So you not only need to go more often, but you have to, the urgency can become more of a problem then as well. You might get, um, you know, the hot flushes. Sleep can be disturbed with night sweats or even without night sweats. Low mood, cranky, feeling anxious, social anxiety, sore joints, heavier periods. All of these can happen before you actually go through menopause. So um, if you think that 40 is a bit young, but if you do think it could be menopause, well, taking a supplement for menopause is probably the best way to target everything. And the one that we always get great feedback on is the Nutri-Advanced Perimeno Support. It's a really, really nice one. And we always start people off on that. Um, it's a, a pricier one, but it's just so good. Um, and then once they start feeling an awful lot better, then we suggest they move down to a cheaper one for maintenance to see if they can still maintain the benefits. So that's one way of doing it. The other thing is it could be maybe just a little bit of bladder irritation. So you could take something like the Dr. Claire Cystone is a great bladder one. Um, it's a herbal remedy and it's very, very good for soothing an irritated bladder. Um, and if it becomes more of an issue, then for a lot of women, we'd, we'd, we'd say they have an overactive bladder. Now, that's different. An overactive bladder really is going an awful lot to the toilet. And the best thing for that is the Angelica, Icelandic Angelica leaf. And Viridian do a lovely one of those. And we get great feedback on that from customers as well. OK, Jack is in his early 30s, suffers from migraines. His doctor is suggesting it could be diet related. How does he work out? What's triggering it? Very hard. So typically the main triggers um, would be things like alcohol, red wine and white wine would be particularly bad. Chocolate is another big trigger. Caffeine can be a trigger, even though some people find that caffeine can help a headache. Caffeine withdrawal can be another trigger. If you're used to having your coffee in the morning and you miss it, often you'd get a headache or can trigger a migraine. So the other thing you could do is you could do a food intolerance test, but that's not going to pick up things like coffee or chocolate because it's different chemicals in those that trigger migraines. So the best thing to do really is to keep a food diary and to write down absolutely everything you eat and drink for a period of maybe two weeks and see can you pinpoint. You need to be looking really the day before and the day of the migraine is what would be where you'd see the triggers and see can you spot a pattern. For a lot of people, taking 400 milligrams of vitamin um, B2, which is riboflavin, um, you, that can help in terms of prevention of migraines. It's a very high dose and it's hard to get it. You need 400 milligrams. So the best way that we seem to get it in with people is uh, with the Viridian, they do a high B2 complex. So there's 200 milligrams of riboflavin in each of those capsules and people have to take two of them. OK. All right. OK. And you'll put all of this information up on up As on Heard website. on the radio. Listen, thank you for that, thank Annalise. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks uh, for joining us. That's Anne, Annalise Dressel. Her website is thehealthhubstore.com. And just some quick um, texts in. And this is people defending how hard it is for people living on social welfare who are... Uh, 
struggling with the high cost of living. Somebody says, of course, all social welfare payments need to uh, rise with the high costs that we're experiencing at the moment. Try living on €208 uh, a week. We have the same bills as everybody else who's working. Let workers come down to €208 a week and then then they will know what it's like. Uh, I guess what you, you, they wouldn't know what happened to them if they were asked to live on as little as €208 a week. And Bernie says, Patricia, I'm a widow. I'm finding it really hard to live on a widow's pension. My widow's pension is 2.13 and 50 cent a week in the winter. I nearly freeze to death. I simply can't afford to heat the house. Can't afford to heat two rooms. So I stay in a one. My windows are old. I can't afford to replace them. And as for cooking, there are days when I can't stand by the cooker just to cook the meal because I'm so hungry. I end up having to eat a few biscuits just to give myself strength while I am cooking. That's the reality for people living on social welfare. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 onto the line. Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon. Enjoy the fine weather. With Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.